0: chapter twenty three of mrs craddock by william somerset Mom. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva bertha's relief was unmistakable when she landed on english soil at last she was near edward and she had been extremely seasick though it was less than thirty miles from dover to blackstable the communications were so bad that it was necessary to wait for hours at the port or take the boat train to london and then come sixty miles down again bertha was exasperated at the delay forgetting that she was now thank heaven in a free country where the railways were not run for the convenience of passengers but the passengers necessary evils to create dividends for an ill-managed company bertha's impatience was so great that she felt it impossible to wait at dover she preferred to go the extra hundred miles and save herself ten minutes rather than spend the afternoon in the dreary waiting-room or wandering about the town the train seemed to crawl and her restlessness became quite painful as she recognized the kentish country the fat meadows with trim hedges the portly trees and the general air of prosperity bertha's thoughts were full of edward and he was the whole cause of her impatience she had hoped against her knowledge of him that he would meet her at dover and it had been a disappointment not to see him then she thought he might have come to london though not explaining to herself how he could possibly have divined that she would be there her heart beat absurdly when she saw a back which might have been edward's still later she comforted herself with the idea that he would certainly be at faversley which was the next station to blackstable when they reached that place she put her head out of window looking along the platform but he was nowhere he might have come as far as this she thought now the train steaming on she recognized the country more precisely the desolate marsh and the sea the line ran almost at the water's edge the tide was out leaving a broad expanse of shining mud over which the seagulls flew screeching then the houses were familiar cottages beaten by wind and weather the jolly sailor where in the old days many a smuggled keg of brandy had been hidden on its way to the cathedral city of Turkenbury. the coastguard station was passed a long building trim and low finally they rattled across the bridge over the high street and the porters with their kentish drawl called out blackstable blackstable bertha's emotions were always uncontrolled and so powerful as sometimes to unfit her for action now she had hardly strength to open the carriage door at last she cried with a gasp of relief she had never adored her husband so passionately as then and her love was a physical sensation that turned her faint the arrival of the moment so anxiously awaited left her half frightened she was of those who eagerly look for an opportunity and then can scarcely seize it bertha's heart was so full that she was afraid of bursting into tears when she at last should see edward walking towards her she had pictured the scene so often her husband advancing with his swinging stride waving his stick the dogs in front rushing towards her and barking furiously the two porters waddled with their seaman's walk to the van to get out the luggage people were stepping from the carriages next to her a pasty-faced clerk descended in a dingy black with a baby in his arms and he was followed by a haggard wife with another baby and innumerable parcels a laborer sauntered down the platform three or four sailors and a couple of infantrymen they all surged for the wicket at which stood the ticket collector the porters got out the boxes and the train steamed off an irascible city man was swearing volubly because his luggage had gone to margate it's a free country thank heaven the station-master in a decorated hat and a self-satisfied air strolled up to see what was the matter bertha looked along the platform wildly edward was not there the station-master passed and nodded patronizingly have you seen mr craddock she asked no i can't say i have but i think there's a carriage below for you bertha began to tremble a porter asked whether he should take her boxes she nodded unable to speak she went down and found the brougham at the station door the coachman touched his hat and gave her a note dear bertha awfully sorry i can't come to meet you i never expected you so accepted an invitation of lord philip dirk to a tennis tournament and a ball afterwards he's going to sleep me so i shan't be back till to-morrow don't get in a wax see you in the morning e c bertha got into the carriage and huddled herself into one corner so that none should see her at first she scarcely understood she had spent the last hours at such a height of excitement that the disappointment deprived her of the power of thinking she never took things reasonably and was now stunned what had happened seemed impossible it was so callous that edward should go to a tennis tournament when she was coming home looking forward eagerly to seeing him and it was no ordinary homecoming it was the first time she had ever left him and then she had gone hating him as she thought for good but her absence having revived her love she had returned yearning for reconciliation and he was not there he acted as though she had been to town for a day's shopping oh god what a fool i was to come suddenly she thought of going away there and then would it not be easier she felt she could not see him but there were no trains the london chatham and dover railway has perhaps saved many an elopement but he must have known how bitterly disappointed she would be and the idea flashed through her that he would leave the tournament and come home perhaps he was already at Ley's waiting she took fresh courage and looked at the well-remembered scene he might be at the gate oh what joy it would be what a relief but they came to the gate and he was not there they drove to the portico and he was not there bertha went into the house expecting to find him in the hall or in the drawing-room not having heard the carriage but he was nowhere to be found and the servants corroborated his letter the house was empty chill and inhospitable the rooms had an uninhabited air the furniture was primly rearranged and edward had caused antimacassars to be placed on the chairs these bertha to the housemaid's surprise took off one by one and without a word threw into the empty fireplace and still she thought it incredible that edward should stay away she sat down to dinner expecting him every moment she sat up very late feeling sure that eventually he would come but still he came not I wish to God I'd stayed away. Her thoughts went back to the struggle of the last few weeks. Pride, anger, reason, everything had been on one side and only love on the other, and love had conquered. The recollection of Edward had been seldom absent from her and her dreams had been filled with his image. His letters had caused her an indescribable thrill the mere sight of his handwriting had made her tremble and she wanted to see him she woke up at night with his kisses on her lips she begged him to come and he would not or could not at last the yearning grew beyond control and that very morning not having received the letter she awaited she had resolved to throw off all pretense of resentment and come what did she care if miss ley laughed or if edward scored a victory in the struggle she could not live without him he still was her life and her love oh god i wish i hadn't come she remembered how she had prayed that edward might love her as she wished to be loved beseeching god to grant her happiness the passionate rebellion after her child's death had ceased insensibly and in her misery in her loneliness she had found a new faith belief with some comes and goes without reason with them it is a matter not of conviction but rather of sensibility and bertha found prayer easier in catholic churches than in the cheerless meeting houses she had been used to she could not utter stated words at stated hours in a meaningless chorus the crowd caused her to shut away her emotions and her heart could expand only in solitude in paris she had found quiet chapels open at all hours to which she could go for rest when the sun without was overdazzling and in the evening the dimness the fragrance of old incense and the silence were very restful then the only light came from the tapers burning in gratitude or in hope throwing a fitful mysterious glimmer and bertha prayed earnestly for edward and for herself but edward would not let himself be loved and her efforts were all useless her love was a jewel that he valued not at all that he flung aside and cared not if he lost but she was too unhappy too broken in spirit to be angry what was the use of anger she knew that edward would see nothing extraordinary in what he had done he would return confident well pleased with himself after a good night's rest and entirely unaware that she had been grievously hurt i suppose the injustice is on my side i am too exacting i can't help it she only knew one way to love and that it appeared was a foolish way oh i wish i could go away again now forever she got up and ate a solitary breakfast busying herself afterwards in the house edward had left word that he would be in to luncheon and was it not his pride to keep his word but all her impatience had gone bertha felt now no particular anxiety to see him she was on the point of going out the air was warm and balmy but did not in case edward should return and be disappointed at her absence what a fool i am to think of his feelings if i'm not in he'll just go about his work and think nothing more of me till i appear but notwithstanding she stayed he arrived at last and she did not hurry to meet him she was putting things away in her bedroom and continued though she heard his voice below the difference was curious between her intense and almost painful expectation of the previous day and this present unconcern. She turned as he came in, but did not move towards him. so you've come back, did you enjoy yourself? Yes, rather, but I say it's ripping to have you home. You weren't in a wax at my not being here. Oh no, she said, smiling. I didn't mind at all that's all right of course i'd never been to lord phillips before and i couldn't wire the last minute to say that my wife was coming home and i had to meet her of course not it would have made you appear too absurd but i was jolly sick i can tell you if you'd only let me know a week ago that you were coming i should have refused the invitation my dear edward i'm so unpractical i never know my own mind and i'm always doing things on the spur of the moment to my own inconvenience and other people's and i should never have expected you to deny yourself anything for my sake bertha perplexed almost dismayed looked at her husband with astonishment she scarcely recognized him in the three years of their common life bertha had noticed no change in him and with her great faculty for idealization had carried in her mind always his image as he appeared when first she saw him the slender manly youth of eight-and-twenty miss ley had discerned alterations and spiteful feminine tongues had said that he was going off dreadfully but his wife had seen nothing and the separation had given further opportunities to her fantasy in absence she had thought of him as the handsomest of men delighting over his clear features his fair hair his inexhaustible youth and strength the plain facts would have disappointed her even if edward had retained the looks of his youth but seeing now as well the other changes the shock was extreme it was a different man she saw almost a stranger Craddock did not wear well though but thirty-one he looked much older he had broadened and put on flesh his features had lost their delicacy and the red of his cheeks was growing coarse he wore his clothes in a slovenly fashion and had fallen into a lumbering walk as if his boots were always heavy with clay and there was in him besides the hardiness and intolerant joviality of the prosperous farmer edward's good looks had given bertha the keenest pleasure and now rushing as was her habit to the other extreme she found him almost ugly this was an exaggeration for though he was no longer the slim youth of her first acquaintance he was still in a heavy massive way better looking than the majority of men edward kissed her with marital calm and the propinquity wafted to Bertha's nostrils the strong scents of the farmyard which no matter what his clothes hung perpetually about him she turned away hardly concealing a little shiver of disgust yet they were the same masculine odors as once had made her nearly faint with desire End of chapter twenty three